Good morning. Everybody's still here? Just stand on your feet with me this morning. half-heartedly joking, Brother Barlow, but half-heartedly not. It's not going to be any lighter. In fact, I'm... Brother Barlow could have just continued on. Second Samuel chapter 15. I'm going to read verse number 6. As you're turning there, I'd like to give honor to my bishop. Thank you, bishop, for the opportunity to minister this morning. Sister Jackson, Sister Hannah, Sister Ruth, honor you today. It's not just formality, but I love this family. Very thankful. Of honor, brother and sister Massey, to our staff, and to all of you. I, uh, Sister Massey, I, I'm with you in the sense that learning to trust the Lord. Don't have a lot of notes scattered out here, but I know what the Lord shared with me late last night. Folks, we got to listen to what's being said. I'm going to attempt to speak on a couple of scriptures this morning. We're going to pray. I'm going to go into my office and get my keys and my car, and I'm going to go home. And I don't even know if I'll be able to deliver this this morning adequately. So forgive me in advance. Somebody, for goodness sakes, listen what the Lord is trying to speak. I don't mean to me. I mean what God is trying to say. Second Samuel chapter 15, verse number 6. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. I feel like the Lord shared with me late last night to deal with a particular spirit, and that is the spirit of Absalom. And I'll speak about that for just a few moments this morning. The spirit of Absalom. Bishop, would you pay this morning? In the name of Jesus, God, your word is anointed as I prayed earlier. Anoint your male servant. Let him deliver it just the way that you give it to him. Let the word fall on good ground. 
allow the word to be engrafted in our hearts and our spirit. And let this word today, God, produce what you have purpose. God, we submit the remainder of this service to you. And God, our hearts are open to what you have to say to us. We say this and we ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. You may be seated. You'll just give me a few minutes. I don't think I'll go a lot of time that was given. I am very honored. Bishop, for time's sake, I would, would elaborate, but I honor you. I honor you and your family. Brother Barlow made a couple of statements this morning. He started his message, and he talked about apostolic authority. I received the Holy Ghost and was baptized in Jesus' name in Mother's Day of 1994. I've been living for God for a few years, like many of you. We celebrated our new birth under a a pastor that was there at the time under a small church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And the Lord directed us here. We've served under the Wallace and now Bishop Jackson. I don't think many of us have served up under a man or in a church where God is trying to establish apostolic authority like he is here. I believe that's the reason why the Lord is continuing this message during this time of revival is because he is trying to establish true book of Acts, New Testament apostolic authority. And for many of us, including myself, we have not yet served up under it until we have come and served up under Bishop Jackson. We have grown up in churches that have had traditions and systems and protocols and things of that sort, but I don't think many of us have really served up under what New Testament apostolic authority really is. And I believe God is revealing it to us as a body for what he wants to do through this body. This is not a bad thing. It is a good thing. However, if we're going to be part of this, we have to do this God's way. There is only one way to do this, and that's going to be God's way up under God's man at the time that God decides. And so I believe what is happening over these services is God is continuing to establish his man before his people to understand that we are not just playing church. We're not just doing this. We're not just part of something. We are an extension of the first century apostolic church that you read about in your Bible. I could shout you this morning on apostolic power and you'd all stand up and get with me. I could shout you on miracles and all these things that most of us would shout and dance. But when it comes to apostolic authority, all of a sudden we get a little quiet and reserved. But it's just as important as power and miracles and anything else that we read about in Scripture. you got to have the authority if you're going to have anything else. 
But there is a spirit that the Lord wants to expose and I believe defeat this morning. And that is, beware of the spirit of Absalom. In verse number one of this chapter, the Bible says, Absalom, we know, was one of the sons of King David during this time. There's a couple of chapters here. We don't have time to go over it, but I want to pick out from just these six verses. And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. This should tell you immediately that Absalom was a prideful man. And Absalom rose up early. Look at the motive. Look at the intention. Look at what he was desiring to do. And stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, that Absalom would call unto him and said, Of what city are you from? And he said, Your servant is one of the tribes of Israel. I want to point out that it was intentional that Absalom stood in the way of the people that were coming from the outside of the gate to the inside of the gate. He positioned himself in a place where he could be seen. He positioned himself in a place where he could have influence on the people. He positioned himself in a place where he could not be missed. He stood in the way of the gate. And notice, he would call unto the individuals. He was the one that was beginning the communication process with the individuals that were there. He began to open up dialogue to the people that were coming by. What deception, what trickery. What city are you from? Just to throw out that statement, let's open some dialogue. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk about some things. Your servant is one of these tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, your matters are good and right. What you desire to bring to the king was good. What you desire to speak to the man of God was good. It was right. However, there's no man that is designated of the king to hear you. Absalom said, moreover, oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. Let me tell you what the spirit of Absalom is, and it is easily perceived and picked up on if you just listen. Although it might be communicated just a little bit differently, it always boils down to this. If I was the one in charge, I would not. Or if I was the one in charge, I would be doing this. You can dress it up any way that you want to, but if you listen carefully, it always boils down to that statement. Don't look at him, look at me. The pride of the heart to make a statement like that. 
the arrogance of the tongue of Absalom sitting outside the gate, criticizing instead of contributing. I want to tell you, whether you serve in any capacity in this church, be careful your criticisms. Don't sit out in the gate and criticize when God wants you to be contributing to what's happening here in this local assembly. It is very easy to sit out on a chair and to judge the decisions that are made and are being made. But be very careful how you put your mouth on the man of God. Don't criticize what you don't understand. Don't criticize what you don't know. You're not the king. You're not the man of God. He is. And that spirit is very strong in our day and age. We like to criticize everything. We want to find a fault. We want to find something wrong. How could God be affirming? How could God be speaking? Isn't he just a man? Yes, he is. But as was already said, God chose this man. Is he flesh like you and I? Absolutely. Will he make mistakes? Absolutely. But you know what? That's not your business and that's not mine. And God is warning somebody this morning, you have a spirit of Absalom on you. I'll be transparent this morning for just a few minutes. I had the privilege to serve under this man for 10 years. I have shared this before. Are there times that I have loved every decision that he has made? No. Oh, I'm sorry that shocked all of you. I've made this statement before. Have I asked to do certain things and this man very kindly has said no? Absolutely. Have I not understood some things? Absolutely. But what I found out is just because I work on his staff, just because I get an opportunity to be close to him, and just because I'm able to serve at this church does not give me the right to have my own opinion or to criticize if I think differently. It's not easy sometimes, but that's what true submission is. If I want his hand to be on my life, then I also have to submit to the apostolic authority that he has on my life. And so we see here Absalom, pride in his heart, arrogance in his tongue, when he says, oh, that I... We're made judge. The, the king doesn't really want anything to do with you. If so, he would have had somebody to come hear your matters. And just as the man of God spoke earlier about the structure that's set up here, well, why can't I have bishops here? I had no idea you were going to be speaking some of these things. There's nobody hear me on this. I wish I had bishops here on this, folks. 
whatever Bishop says goes. Whoever he puts in front of you, trust. That man, that man, that man. And these ladies that we get a chance to work with, I can testify. I work with them daily. I know their fruit. I know their heart. But it is very, very dangerous, very dangerous to begin to say, well, Bishop doesn't have time for me. Maybe I'll go to somebody else. Bishop's not listening to this. Maybe I'll go outside of the structure. Maybe I'll find my own way. Maybe I'll find someone that will agree with me. Maybe I'll find somebody that I trust. Be careful in that. Notice what he said a little bit further down. When he said in verse number 3, And Abel said, See, your matters are good and right. You're justified. But there's no man that was appointed by the king to hear you. Oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which has a case or a right cause would come to me, and I would give him justice. And it was so that when any man came unto him because he stood in the way, He put forth his hand and he took him and he kissed him. What was Absalom doing? He was trying to win influence of the people. And on this manner did Absalom to all of Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. I have to ask myself how can the men of Israel have their hearts stolen? Just because their king did not come running to them for everything that was going on in their life? And so they put their trust in someone else. They put their trust in someone who was not looking after them. They put their trust in someone who was not their shepherd. Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. He kissed their hand. He bowed to their every knee. He made sure to let them know that he would be there for them when the king could not. And he began to steal the hearts of the people that were there. In the book of John chapter 10, there is a scripture that I would like to read, and Brother Josh, if you would be so kind to come, I'm, I'm going to close. It's very, very heavy this morning. Brother Barlow made a joke that it might get better after what he said, and I was thinking it's not going to get better, it's going to get a lot worse. I don't mean that for us. I mean that to whomever God is trying to speak to. How could a one man steal all of the hearts of the men of Israel? Influence is a very powerful thing. Prestige is a very powerful thing. 
I believe part of it was because he was part of the royal family. He was in a position where he thought people would listen. And so they trusted him. He began to win their influence. But I want you to notice what the Lord says in John chapter 10, verse number 4. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow after him. For they know his voice. But verse number 5 strikes me. And a stranger will they not follow, but they will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. For those of you that have kids, like me, you probably teach your children to be careful, to be on the lookout when they're away from mom and dad, when they're at school, when they're riding the bus, when they're waiting for parent pickup, wherever they go, you probably teach them to be careful of strangers for their own good. Be careful that you don't allow someone to speak to you that's not mom and dad, to get in a car with them or for them to lead you to a certain place or for them to speak things into your mind. Don't listen to a voice of a stranger. We teach our kids that in principle for their own safety. And yet we should take this application for the word of God as the same. The sheep follow him for they know his voice. Brother Barlow made a statement a few minutes ago about being in meetings and not knowing what to do. And yet hearing seemingly Bishop's voice in the tone that it is. And here yet will come an answer. Here will come direction. I can tell you that's happened many a times. I can attest to that personally. God, what to do here? God, what should we say here? Bishop always tells me, he said, one of these days you're going to get up there and God's just going to test your obedience to see what you're going to do. Are you going to trust him or are you going to fall back on, on those notes and what you've prepared? And so there are times like this, like last night, I can literally, while praying, hear his voice saying, are you going to obey the Lord? Are you going to trust? And I can hear it in the same tone. I can hear it just as if he was speaking to me. I know the voice of my shepherd. So if a stranger were to come in and try to entice me, if they were trying to come in and influence me, if they were trying to come in and direct me off of the path which my shepherd has already led me on, I would recognize immediately that that is a voice of a stranger. And I have to flee from that voice. I have to remove myself from that voice. And I cannot follow the voice of a stranger. That stranger does not have my best interest at heart. That stranger does not know where I need to graze. That stranger does not know more about me than what my shepherd does. And I'm telling you, there is a spirit of Absalom in our midst. 
in this house today. Sitting at the gate in your robe. Criticizing. Being the people's voice. We are in such we are in such wonderful times as a body. But if you think that the men and women of God that are coming after for the rest of this revival are going to speak anything different until that thing is broken, you're wrong. God is going to deal and deal and deal and deal and deal until that thing is broken. I want you to stand with me all across the building this morning. A stranger's voice they will not follow. You want to know the end of Absalom? It's not pretty. Scripture says that he tried to deceive the king. But the pride of the heart was too much for Absalom. So he lost his life in a very tragic way. I'm not speaking doom and gloom today. What I am saying is that 15, 16 days into this revival, we ought to go back and look at everything that has been said to this point. God is trying to establish apostolic authority in this body. And folks, there may, there may not be another church that will allow themselves to be set up this way by God. There might, I don't know. I have seen some that have tried to set up themselves with apostolic authority yet to abuse the power. And the following that they once had, now they don't have anymore. But I believe that this not only is a special congregation, we know that we have a special man before us. And so God is going to set this up according to the first century church.